It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This week, we're resharing one of our favorite episodes of the Single Tracks podcast. If you've already heard this one, don't worry, because next week we'll be back with an all new show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Matt Miller and I are going to be talking about mountain bike tires. So mountain bike tires are a popular topic among Single Tracks readers and listeners, and it's been a couple of years since we talked tires. A lot has changed since then, so we thought we would revisit the topic today. We're going to discuss what's going on with tire widths and tread patterns, talk about some of the tires we've tested recently, and fill you in on new tire tech and things like mountain bike tire inserts. So Matt, let's start off talking about these tire widths. You know, we've seen a lot of changes over the years with tires going from, you know, regular standard tires to fat bike tires to plus. And now we're seeing, I don't know, what do you call it? The the two and a half inch, 2.6 inch tires. What do you think is a good name for that? Ooh, extra wide, ultra <laughs> wide. I mean, what are they, what are they calling the wider rim widths? I don't know. Yeah, those are just like, say it by the size 30 millimeter or whatever i know maxis is calling the 2.5 and 2.6 inch tires the wide trail yeah that's what i'm thinking of but that's like a proprietary maxis thing i don't know if they trademarked it right but so we'll we'll call it we'll call it wide i don't know wide plus tires no plus (laughs) that's going to be confusing people are calling plus tires mid fat too so Mm. maybe mid plus mid plus well, in any event, do you see these tires taking the place of plus tires? I personally wouldn't see them taking the place of plus tires. I think that it seems like people are running the two fives and two sixes just to see what they can get away with on a regular trail bike <laughs> versus like, I mean, I guess they're not reducing the amount of plus bikes they come out with, or maybe it's just an interchange thing from a 27.5 plus to a 29. And that's just something that you can sort of swap out on personal preference on a bike but it seems like there's a lot more people that are liking to run uh the two six tires which are pretty new yeah well and that's kind of the promise of these tires is that you can run them without having to get like a dedicated plus bike but there are some limitations right and we hear this question a lot mm. from people asking if they can run these 2.5 and 2.6 inch tires so what do you know about that well um i mean it depends on the spacing in the fork, uh, spacing in the frame, if you're trying to run a 2.6 in the rear, it seems like most people are sticking with them up front, uh, just to have that fatter tire up front. Mm-hmm. But I think it would mostly depend on just the spacing on the fork. And if you've got a boost space fork, it doesn't seem like there would be many, many limitations to putting a 2.6 on. I know I just put a boost size fork on my bike and there's there's quite a bit of space for it. Yeah, I had a set of 2.6 inch 29er tires that I was able to fit no problem in a older Fox fork that I have, not boost spaced or anything. So yeah, I, I haven't run into any clearance issues with the frame. Um, I did run into a clearance issue actually now that I say that with the rear in trying to put a 2.6 inch tire in. But it seems like the other limitation and maybe one that people don't pay a lot of attention to is their rim width. And again, 
looking at Maxis, Maxis has done a lot to kind of educate people about these wider tires, but they seem to recommend for two and a half inch tires that you're running 30 millimeter internal width rims, Mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty wide. Not, not many people are running those yet, right? I think they're pretty, they're almost getting pretty standard, at least on like enduro bikes or aggressive, uh, aggressive all mountain bikes. Yeah. It seems like maybe shorter travel trail bikes or what, like maybe 24 to 27 millimeter internal. Yeah. I think with on like the newer enduro bikes, you're seeing probably close to 29 or 30 millimeter internal. Yeah. And a lot of older bikes, I mean, I'm, I have some older wheel sets and many years ago, the standard was like 21 inches or sorry, 21 millimeters. So Mm. that's definitely not what these tires are designed for. They're designed for more modern width rims. And so you can't necessarily just throw these on, even if they're going to fit in your frame. The problem is the tire itself is going to, it's going to end up with a weird shape. So if you've got a really narrow rim, it's going to almost, it's going to kind of make the tire too round and you're not going to be able to get all of the performance out of it that you need. You know, when they design a tire, there are knobs placed in certain positions, you know, for cornering or for, you know, riding straight ahead. And the tire is just going to deform in the wrong way, basically, if you don't have the right rim size. So unfortunately, this is adding another another thing you got to keep track of, another number that you got to look at before you can just, you know, buy a product off the shelf. Definitely. Yeah. It, like you were saying, you almost get that kind of... Uh lollipop look to where the tire is going to be super round up top and then the rim is yeah a little too narrow at the bottom and yeah like you said you, you get a well, probably more tire roll in corners uh by using a, a more narrow rim like that yeah and if you on the flip side if you use a rim that's too wide so say you've got like some uh plus tire rims that are 40 45 millimeters wide uh, like i do and you try to put one of those tires on it's going to stretch it out too much it's going to make it you know, sort of a squarish, flattish profile. And again, you're not going to get all the performance out of the tire that you're looking for. Yeah. So let's talk about tread patterns. What are we seeing in terms of trends on tread patterns these days? Well, people are definitely going with more aggressive tires than they used to run, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially on even just the trail bikes. Like you're almost seeing a pretty aggressive spec on just normal trail bikes or at least when people buy a trail bike aftermarket they'll throw something like a dhr minion even on like a you know 140 mil travel bike and then the you know 160 170 mil travel bikes are almost coming standard with minions front and back now or just something super aggressive like that with mm-hmm. really space knobs and yeah a lot of a lot of clearance for mud and dirt yeah it seems to be following this trend of a lot of other mountain bike components, you know, where people are focusing less on weight and, you know, rolling resistance, you know, that was a thing that like cross country riders might've focused on in the past, but people are saying, you know what, like I'm willing to add a little bit more weight onto my tire. If I can get a beefier tread, something that's going to, you know, be more predictable or is going to dig into the dirt a little bit better. Um, because, a lot of us have found that that really improves the ride feel. I mean, I've noticed having the right tires on a bike 
goes a really long way to me deciding if I like the bike or not. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of those things I'm, I'm willing to take the weight penalty, just like a dropper post or something else like that. Yeah, I agree. I've just had bad luck with lighter tires in the past, like so many punctures that, yeah, uh, you know, and that just potentially ruins your ride. Um, so I don't know, for me, I would rather run a heavier tire and just not worry the whole time. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's not just about getting more aggressive tires. I mean, I guess it is aggressiveness, but in a different way in terms of durability of the tire. You're getting people are running these downhill casing tires because they just hold up better to any kind of abuse, whether it's intentional or not. Definitely. Yep. So let's talk about front tire versus rear tires. I I don't think this is something we've covered before, um, but should point out that some mountain bike tires are made to be run front only. Some are designed to be run rear only. seems like most tires though are are designed, you can run them front or rear. Uh, But what in your opinion makes a good front tire? Front tire, when I think of uh, buying a tire or looking at a front tire, you know, I, I want something wide. I want something knobby. So when you're steering, uh, it's going to bite where you want it to go. Yeah. Um, it's going to go the direction you want it to go. I mean, essentially a lot of times you're just thinking about steering. Like you want this bike or this tire to put your bike in the right direction. Yeah. And so generally like I, like a lot of people are running two five, I haven't moved up to a two six yet, but a two five in the front that's knobby and tall knobs spaced out quite a bit. Yeah. So if you're, you know, Running two tires, you would put the more aggressive tire up front uh, than you would in the back. Is that basically what you're saying? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. And I would say, too, the thing that I look at for a front tire a lot of times is the cornering knobs. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, that's where you're doing your steering. The front is obviously a lot more active, and your rear wheel is just going to follow essentially where your front wheel is going. So you don't want to wash out on the front there. You want to really put those those good cornering knobs on your front tire. I was actually just in our interview with um, Tom Ritchie. He was talking about the early mountain bike tires and how he worked with IRC to develop mountain bike specific tread patterns. But what he said was that up until that point, nobody was doing directional tires, not just for biking, but like for cars even, which I found really surprising. You know, he said that this was a, this was a new concept like for the world. And he kind of came to that conclusion that this directional tires were necessary by looking at the wear pattern on bike tire knobs. So, you know, he noticed there was more wear on uh, one side of the knob. I don't remember if he said the front or the back or if he did say, but there's more wear on one side of the knob and less on the other. So, you know, that led to the idea of like ramped knobs and all the different experimentation that they did over the years to come up with these current designs. So yeah, that's really interesting to me. And, and it's more, I don't know, if you're a beginning rider and you, you have a tire and you just kind of slap it on, know that, that they are directional. Most tires have mm-hmm. it printed. It's always so hard to see. Maybe it's because my eyes are going bad, but like <laughs> you, sometimes you really have to look closely at the tire to see it, but it'll have a arrow that tells you which way the tire needs to roll. And so it is possible to put a tire on backward. So oh, yeah. do 
be cognizant of that. And if your tire is just not feeling right, like you put a new tire on, before you judge it and say this tire is no good, make sure you're running it the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've um, I've put many tires on backwards in my day, especially trying to replace a flat really quick on the trail. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those. I hate changing tires. I think everybody hates changing tires. And so, yeah, once you you know you go through all the hassle of like getting one on, getting it aired up, and then you realize it's on backward. It's like the worst feeling. But yeah, it is it is important to get that right. Um, let's talk about sipes. Is this something you're familiar with, Matt? I know you recently went on a media trip with WTB. Was that something that they talked about? Um, I think they maybe talked a little bit about sipes, which, yeah, I mean, like, I think probably most every person who's ever looked at a tire before has seen those little Mm -hmm. slits in the knobs and just maybe not even really thought about why they're there, but I'd actually there for pretty good reason. Yeah, so the sipes, like you said, they're the little slits in the tire and basically allows the tire to deform, or sorry, the knob to deform in a certain direction. So mm-hmm. it's very calculated, you know, the orientation of the sipes, how many there are on the knobs. And one of the things that I find fascinating is that people actually modify their tires. Yeah. You know, they'll get a tire and they'll, they'll cut them, um, especially the pro racers. Yeah, on the kind of the downhill World Cup stages, uh, especially if it's like really rainy or they just need extra grip. Yeah, they'll take um, take a pair of, what's the tool I'm thinking of? Well, somebody was making a tool specifically for that. I think it was Schwalbe or oh, really? somebody recently came out with a with a tire cutter, which I thought was really interesting, or a sipe, a sipe cutter. Yeah, and they'll just make their own sipes, which like for us, I could never think about just like cutting into my new $80 tire <laughs> like that. But right when you're at that level. It's definitely not something that the manufacturers recommend, which was surprising why whatever tire company it was came up with one. But it also seems really time consuming. I mean, you think about how many knobs are on a tire. Right. And yeah, like you said, you just, you get one of them wrong and you just ruined your whole set of tires. Yeah. But yeah, so sipes, they're the little slits. You can sound smart in front of your friends and siping too is like a verb, I guess. Um, talk about like doing that to your tire or how it was designed in the first place. Yeah. So what about tire compounds? We've talked about these in the past, but tire compounds, that's basically the rubber that's used to create the tire. So what, why would you want to use different compounds even within the same tire? Well, this is something I learned a lot about on um, the trip with WTB uh, because they were coming out with uh, a brand new tire and updating some of their old tires and like a big thing for them, which seems like it, it most tire manufacturers had already switched over to a triple compound and WTB was finally switching from a double to a triple compound. But yeah, when you talk about compounds, most tire brands are starting with a very hard rubber underneath at the very bottom level of the tire. And that's all the way, like bead to bead, all the way around. You're going to find pretty much the same compound most of the time. Mm -hmm. And then through the center knobs, they're going to put a softer rubber over that. And on the corner knobs, they'll put an even softer rubber over that base knob. So then you're seeing three different compounds on the same tire, not necessarily on the same knob, but throughout the same tire. Right. And what are the advantages of doing that. You kind of mentioned it, but, but yeah, why, why would you have a different compound in different parts of the tire? Yeah. It's 
pretty fascinating. I was talking to my girlfriend a little bit about this, like, like when I got back, just telling her what I had learned. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that base knob is supposed to be pretty hard to one minimize tire squirm and just uh, I mean, make the tire tougher overall. So you get that mm-hmm. base compound to make those knobs. Does the base compound even touch? I mean, I guess parts of it touch the ground, but a lot of that is like sidewall and uh, the the kind of the valleys in between the knobs, right? Yeah, and it'll once that tire wears out, then you're kind of just riding on the on the base compound. So if you're slipping a lot when you're going up rocks and your knobs are kind of worn down, then you might just be on the base compound. Okay. Yeah, and then with that base compound, they're putting the softer rubber over it, so that way you're getting a lot of grip on each individual knob. But then you still have a tough base compound to make sure the knobs aren't folding over uh, when they shouldn't be. Yeah. And yeah, the, because they're softer too, I mean, they're going to grip, you imagine, I mean, people describe tires as sticky, mm-hmm. like sticky rubber too. And that's the idea. It's softer and it almost feels like it's sticking to the ground. Yeah. Uh, but then the, the trade-off is it's going to wear out quicker, right? Yeah. That's, I think that's the struggle for a lot of people is, well, one, tires are expensive. Yeah. And so you want to get a long life out of them. And I know I'm guilty of this, of running tires way past a way past what I should just because I don't want to fork out another 80 bucks for a new tire. Yeah. But then you do and it's like, holy cow, this is amazing. And that's because I've been riding on the base compound that there has like no grip for the past few months. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard too, because it's one of those items like chain wear for me, you know, it's one of those things that's like super gradual over time. So you don't notice it. it isn't like, you know, one day you come out and you're like, Whoa, what happened to my tire? The, yeah, it, it wears out over time and yeah, maybe you notice it through the performance of the tire. I mean, yeah, most people probably don't notice it until they start having flats or punctures or things like that. Right. And then there are some tires that are designed specifically for race day or, you know, racing tires. So a lot of times when you see that designation on a tire, it can mean one of two things. Uh, if it's, if it's called a race tire, it could be that it's like super fast rolling tire and that would be, you know, cross country type racing, a tire, not like an all round tire, but one where you just want to go as fast as possible and as light as possible. So some race tires can be really lightweight and they'll do things that make them less durable, um, in the name of saving weight. And then the other thing is some race tires, like particularly on the downhill spectrum or the enduro spectrum, those are called race tires because they use really soft compound throughout the tire. So you get great gripping on all the knobs. They're really sticky tires, but they're going to wear out. And sometimes, I don't know, I do you know, Matt, like do pro riders, will they just use a set of tires like for one race or one weekend and then throw on a new pair for the next one? Yeah, this is kind of surprising too that, so a story I did previously um, about Alchemy's enduro team, and I was talking to them about the kind of stuff that they go through on a regular weekend. And yeah, they said that some of their EWS riders will go through two or three sets of tires uh, in a single race weekend. Whoa. So grip is uber important. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, so how do you know how sticky or how soft a tire is? Is there like a measure for that? I don't know that there's a measure. Like I've always been taught that when you start to see 
your square edge, um, like the back of your center knobs kind of round out because they should be square for braking. Once they start to round out, then you're really losing a lot of bite and your compound's pretty much worn at that point. Uh, I mean, you're definitely losing a lot of braking ability, which comes down to grip also. Yeah. And I guess it's not, it's not like car tires, you know, where what's the trick you put like a penny in the tread and yeah. if it touches a Blinken's head, like you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're too low. So yeah, it's hard because every tire is different. Some have taller knobs, some have shorter knobs. So you don't always know. Maybe it would be cool if tire companies would like color part of the the rubber, you know, like if the base was like slightly lighter gray than the, yeah. the top compounds, then you see like the light gray showing through, you know, it's time to change them out. I don't know. Not a tire engineer. Some sort of wear indicator. Yeah. Wear indicator. That's a good idea though. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed Schwalbe is doing something where they put, I don't know if it's on the tires themselves, but it's in their marketing material. They have like a little color stripe on the tires that indicates something or other. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's like, yeah, it's down. It's almost like to one third of the side of the tire, uh, but it's like down all the way around the tire. Um, I don't know what that means either. Yeah, we'll have to investigate that. Maybe it is a, a wear indicator. If so, that's that's pretty sweet. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the mountain bike tires that we're testing this year and also talk about these new fangled tire inserts. Stay tuned. Ebo seeks to deliver the ultimate shopping experience for mountain bikers. Check out their deep library of guides to everything mountain biking on evo.com guides or reach out to their dedicated team of customer care experts available by phone, online chat, and email. Unlike some other internet retailers, Evo bridges the gap between online and in-store with their three store locations, offering free shipping to stores and community events throughout the year. Shop at Evo for mountain bike gear and bikes from top brands like DaVinci, Evil, Santa Cruz, Transition, and Yeti, and take advantage of their price match guarantee. Use coupon code SINGLETRACKS online at evo.com or in Evo store locations to get 10% off your next order. That's evo, E-V-O dot com. So we've been talking generally about tires. Let's talk about some of the tires we've been checking out this year. So Matt, you got to ride a few, a couple, a few new tires from WTB this summer. Which ones did you ride and what did you think about them? So let's see. I rode the Judge, which is a brand new tire for them. I actually got it right here next to the desk. Uh, and it's just a monster rear tire. It's meant to be a rear tire. The side knobs are enormous. Mm. And they, yeah, I mean, it's a just a downhill bike park, super aggressive tire. Um, and I'm going to go do a race at a bike park this weekend and I'm putting this on for sure. So they came out with the judge and they came out with an updated trail boss, which is kind of more of like a general rear trail tire. And then they updated the vigilante, um, just with some of the knob spacing, knob height, I believe. And then they came out with some sizes before. So like, there's always been a lot of really loyal WTV vigilante fans um, for a front tire, mm-hmm. uh, but they've only ever had it in a 2.3, and so now it comes in a 2.5 and a 2.6, so um, they should have even more fans that want to run it up front. And I've been running those since I got back from the trip, and I love them. They are, um, you know, for the past few years, I'd only run the Maxxis DHR2s and DHFs, and at least I feel like the 
WTB tires that just came out are a lot easier to transition onto the corner knobs, hmm. which I like, versus like the Maxxis where it's like a lot more of that float zone in between the center and the uh, the side knobs. So it's a lot easier to transition over to the side knobs. Um, and they've held up really well so far also. A uh, ton of grip. Uh, the Trail Boss rolls really well. Yeah, I really like them so far. Nice. Well, I've been checking out a few different tires. The I mentioned earlier that I tried out some 2.6-inch 29er tires. Those were the Terrine Chunks. Mm. And honestly, I don't know if it was a fair test because I I was running rims that are not probably not wide enough for a tire like that. You know, they, they fit and they worked, and I put a lot of miles on them, but... I just feel like they could have done better if I had the right width of rim. So that's one I probably need to give another try on a different set of rims. Um, but it's a, it's definitely a tire that is really aggressive and it's one that I think a lot of people would really like, um, just as long as they have the right rim size for it. I also got a chance to check out the new Maxxis Ardent race tires. Oh, what'd you think? Well, the Ardents are a really popular tire that a lot of people run. I think they come stock on, you know, a lot of good number of like trail bikes. Uh, it's a tire that you can find in almost any bike shop. So the, the Ardent is really well known. The race tire, I believe it's brand new. I don't think they had a race version before, but it's, it's a completely different tire, uh, not the same tread pattern or anything. Basically it's meant to be run. I hope I get this right up front as a front only tire and, and possibly use the Ardent, the regular Ardent in the rear. And so it's, it's a good tire. I haven't had enough time on it yet. Um, I rode it a little bit in Idaho, uh, on a trip there and I got to bring a set back here. Um, and I haven't had a chance to mount them up here, but from what I saw in Idaho, they're, they're good. They're, I'm not a big fan of the Ardents, honestly, it's, it's not a, I mean, it's not a super aggressive tire. It's a good all rounder, but, but because it's an all rounder, they do make trade-offs about, you know, it's a fast rolling tire and we don't, not all of us want a fast rolling tire right. <laughs> all the time, right? Like some of us just don't care and we'd rather have a tire that works really well when we're going down, even if we have to struggle a little more going up. So sure. anyway, all that's to say the Ardent Race uh, is TBD. Uh, in terms of how it performs, but I'm looking forward to testing that one some more this summer. And then right now I've got a set of Vittoria Martello tires on my bike. And these tires are, they're super beefy, uh, big, big knobs. Um, we were talking about siping earlier. These have siping that's oriented differently on the different knobs. So I believe on the cornering side knobs, the sipes are running uh, basically vertically if you're looking at the tire. And then the siping on the center knobs is horizontal. And so that sort of determines how the knobs are going to flex. And they seem to work really well. I'm still dialing in exactly the right pressures for them because we, as we talked about in a previous podcast episode, tire pressure is really important. You know, after picking the tire, the next most important thing is, you know, finding the right pressure on it to get the best performance out of it. Um, and so I'm experimenting, seeing how low I can go. Basically, 
I've gotten down, I've gotten down pretty low, maybe too low, um, in some of some of them and have found that the sidewalls flop around a little bit, um, which is to be expected. Um, but yeah, I need to do some more research on those tires and figure out exactly what the right settings are for them. Yeah, I think I've seen some of the, um, at least like a few of the Enduro pros running those Martellos seem like a pretty, pretty hefty tire. Yeah. And the ones I have are, they're 29ers. They're like 2.35s, maybe 2.4s. So kind of the upper end of what I can run on my 29er. Um, but yeah, I really like them. I think, I think I'm going to have them on for a while for sure. Cause they are, they are the right style of tire for what I like to do. So you had a pretty interesting tire setup, uh, last time I saw you, didn't you, Jeff? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast or forums lately, but yeah, I mean, a few years ago, I converted my 29er to 27.5 plus front and rear and it, it worked out okay. I had the WTB scraper rims and trailblazers maybe. I don't know. Is their 2.8 inch tire and there wasn't a lot of tire clearance on it. Bottom bracket was really low. And so I then experimented with running a 29er either in the front or the rear and then the 27.5 plus uh, in the other spot. And what I ended up settling on was a 27.5 plus in the rear and a 29er tire up front. And part of that had to do with the tire itself, the WTB tire that I had with those rims it had it gave the tire like a real squarish profile so not really good cornering knobs and like we said earlier you really want good cornering knobs in the front so mm-hmm. running one of those tires up front didn't really give me a lot of advantages so that's why I went back to a standard 29er in the front and then the other thing is because the tires they're slightly different heights you know Everyone will tell you that they're essentially the same, that 27.5 plus and 29 are essentially the same height, but they're not exactly the same height. So the 27.5 plus is going to be not quite as tall. And so by putting that in the back, it basically slackened out my bike a little bit. And my bike's an older Santa Cruz, so not like a, you know, really modern head tube angle. It's probably a 69 degree head tube angle or something, Six maybe 68. Uh, but this slackens it out a little bit more. So yeah, I found it, it rode really well for a while, but yeah, now I'm back to 29er front and rear. Uh, okay. But yeah. And, and that's, I don't know. It's fun. It's fun to play around with that stuff and it keeps things interesting, you know? Yeah, definitely. Just to, I mean, that's a good way to experiment with tires and see how they react and how different setups, uh, perform on, on your own bike. Yeah. Well, it would be interesting to, to see how many times I've said the word trade-off like in podcasts and, and in articles, but I mean, that's totally, that's totally the deal, you know? So every time I switch to, I, I'm like, oh, 29er wheels, that gives me more bottom bracket clearance. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you can trade off different things and nothing's going to be perfect. There's pros and cons to everything. And so, yeah, why not experiment and and you forget about the things too, the the bad things that happened because you did something or the good things that you traded off. Like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. 
All right. So let's talk a little bit about tire sealant. Our previous tire podcast episode, we talked about tubeless, the advantages of running tubeless. I think by now everybody has heard those advantages as pros and cons to doing so. And most of us have done it if we wanted to do it or if we're not into it, like we haven't done it. But let's talk about sealant. So there, it seems like there are a lot of sealants on the market these days. You know, it used to be just stands. Everybody ran stands, sealant. and yeah. um, But today there's a ton of other options. So have you tried any sealants recently or, or ever that are not stands? Yeah, I was using orange seal for a bit. And it was, yeah, it was good. Like I, I never noticed anything. And I think in a sealant, that's what you want. Like you want to not notice yeah. anything. And it works a little bit differently than stands. I think hmm. orange seal is more where stands will clot up the hole. Mm-hmm. I think orange seal more so like forms a layer underneath that puncture hmm. to where you can almost like see it bubble out uh, on on big punctures. But yeah, there's definitely like orange seal is more costly than stands, but they also say you don't have to uh, refresh it as often. Like it will huh. supposedly last the whole tire life. Oh, wow. So it's interesting stuff, definitely. Uh, but it's been a couple of years since I've ran Orange Seal. So you, you went back to stands? Yeah, just because I think I was like going with brand new tires. It was probably when I got my last bike. And it's just once you kind of have a certain sealant in it, you just stick with it. Mm-hmm. And last season, I bought some of the stands race formula, which is, I think, a bit pricier. But it works even better than the regular stands formula because that crystals are way thicker. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You know, we've, some of the sealants that I've seen, one of the more interesting ones I saw at Interbike last year is something called flat stopper. And what seems to be a trend or why there are these other products coming onto the market is people are trying to get like more natural products, stuff that's like less toxic, I guess, than the traditional sealants. Most of them use latex. If you've used it, you know it has like kind of this gross, like fishy smell to it. So like flat stopper is something I think it was developed for use in like farm equipment, like tractor tires and stuff. And it's, yeah, it's like a clay based sealant and it's got like mica in it and like a bunch of like really natural stuff. And in fact, they even can ship it dry. So it's like a powder and you just mix it with water. Um, I haven't had a chance to try it out myself. Um, but yeah, they say that it works just as well. So yeah, I'm really interested to see all these different options that are out there. Uh, one of our writers, Patrick is actually working on a long-term sealant test where he's got a bunch of tires set up with different sealants and he's, I think he's checking in on them every week or so and seeing, you know, how well they're holding up. Uh, so look forward to that once he's able to collect all his findings and everything. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see that. Yeah. And, and like you said too, some of these new designs are, are made so that they don't dry out. I mean, that's one of the problems with stands is that it does tend to dry out over time. You got to put new sealant in, you know, half the half the flats that I see of people running tubeless is their sealant dried out. You know, they're they're riding along and they're like, oh, I don't know why I got a flat. And they take the tire off and it's like, well, dude, you just got gum in here. There's no there's no liquid left. So it's definitely a problem that seems like people are trying to solve. 
Um, another sealant-ish thing that we're seeing is, uh, have you heard of bacon? Uh, I mean, I had some for breakfast, but that's... <laughs> yeah. Well, there's this, there's these tire plugs that people are really stoked on now. Yeah. Called bacon. And yeah, it's a, it's basically this little, it's kind of like a needle type thing and you wrap this stuff that looks like bacon on it and then you stick it into the hole and it'll seal, seal pretty big punctures. So those have actually saved me quite a few times actually, now that you mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use another brand or? Uh, I can't think of the brand. It, it, yeah. You're actually probably right. It, I think it is just called, uh, yeah, bacon or bacon strips or something like that. But yeah, it's just like a pack of five that I picked up at the bike shop. Um, and then you get like for the first time you have to get like the little tool and everything. Yeah. But they've, yeah. It's like, if you don't want to put a tube in and get your hands grimy with sealant, I've depended on tire plugs like many times and they actually last quite a while too in the tire. Yeah. Maybe it's called bacon cause it saves your bacon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, they, it works too. I've seen people use it when they get a puncture and they have fresh sealant and everything, but the sealant just sprays out. I mean, if you've been running, running tubeless long enough, you've had this happen to you before and you're cursing and like, why won't it seal? And sometimes the, the hole is just too big. So using a tire plug can help. The key is to, is to get the plug in the actual hole. So you got to be really precise about where you put it in. You know, it's kind of, it's like threading a needle. Yeah. You got to, you got to find that hole. Um, I ran into this problem recently on a ride, a guy got a puncture and we, we couldn't see where the hole was, you know, he tried pouring water on it and everything. And it was just, it was really hard to find it and you're going to waste your tire plug if you don't get it exactly in that hole. So it takes a little practice. Yeah. And that's, um, I've seen that happen in punctures right around the bead too, where the puncture is really, really hard to find. And then at that point, like it's really tough to, uh, really tough to save if the sealant isn't working also, or you just don't have enough sealant in it or it's old. Uh, but I've seen plugs save it where the puncture is right on that bead too. And it seems like almost impossible to fix. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, I think that's the situation we had. It was right on, right on there and we, we couldn't get it to work. So I still always carry, carry a tube. I don't know about you. I mean, I think most people, most people do. And yeah, speaking of tubes, uh, there's this thing I've been using called the sock tube. I don't know if you've seen, it's kind of a, it's, I always thought it was a dumb product because it's, it's basically like, like a sh sock. It's essentially like a sock and you put your spare tube in it and it like holds your tube. But yeah, I, whenever I have spare tubes in my pack, like they end up just getting all, I don't know, discombobulated and they end up taking up way too much room. Yeah. And, uh, and I've had ones too that, if it's in my pack long enough, like it just seems to get rubbed by something else in the pack and it ends up having a hole in it and which makes it pretty worthless. So yeah, I've been using the sock tube and it, it keeps my tube nice and organized and fresh for when I actually need it. Huh? What's the material that it's made of? I mean, it's basically like a sock. It's like an elastic, like little, I mean, literally I'm guessing you could use a sock. <laughs> you could take an extra sock and put a tube in it. It does come with like a little band, like a silicone band. That's, it's almost like one of those Livestrong bracelets mm -hmm. uh, that you first put around the tube 
and then you put it inside the sock tube. But yeah, it keeps it really compact. Like I always was like, what am I doing wrong? Like, why does this tube (laughs) take up half of my fanny pack? Yeah. And yeah, that's part of it is just, you need something to like compress it down. Definitely. All right. Finally, I want to talk about something new, something maybe a little controversial and that is tire inserts. Have you tried any of these yet, Matt? I have not. Uh, I'm not using insert. I've definitely been curious about them, but no, not yet. Uh, and you've been testing some, right, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I just put a set in. Um, I've been running. I've been running one in the rear for about a month, and then I just put another one into the front on my tire. And Aaron tested the Cush Core. In the last year or so, okay. so Kushkor was one of the first ones. There was also Huck Norris, which I think people might be familiar with, which is one of the greatest product names of all time. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, they don't get sued. But yeah, so tire inserts are basically they're they're designed to fix a number of problems. One, they can provide run flat protection. So if you do lose all your air pressure. Um, in a lot of cases with some of these inserts, you can just keep riding on your tire. It's going to be a little floppy perhaps, but, but yeah, you're not going to damage your rim or anything. And, and it allows your tire to keep most of its shape. And before I go on, I guess I should describe what a tire insert is. I mean, it's basically a piece of foam that you, that runs around your rim and then you put, you know, a regular tire on top of it. So the insert itself is taking up some portion of the volume inside your tire and then you pump it up uh, with whatever pressure you you like to run. So it's partially air, partially foam, uh, essentially inside the tire. So again, run flat protection. It also helps protect your rim and can help you eliminate pinch flats. So, you know, if you have a lot of square edged hits purposely or, or not on purpose, that can help you, you know, protect your rims and prevent pinch flats. I ride down a lot of stairs. I do a fair amount of like urban mountain biking and it's really good for that. You know, you can, yeah, sweet. you can just go downstairs. Actually, I should try riding upstairs. That's where I've had real problems before with tires is <laughs> you're almost guaranteed to pinch flat if you try to ride up a set of stairs. So Dang. that's, that's TBD. Also, there's some evidence that having an insert provides damping to your tire. So if you think about a shock, like a shock on your bike, you know, be it a fork or a a rear shock provides damping and rebound. And Mm -hmm. basically tires are really good at rebound. You know, it's, it's bouncy and people confuse that or, or at least accept rebound as like a substitute for suspension. Like I hear people say that about fat bike tires a lot is, you know, like, oh, yeah, my fat bike, I don't need a suspension fork because I got these big tires that act like suspension. And you're getting like half of the performance, suspension performance out of a tire. You're, you're just getting rebounds. So damping, though, adds another dimension to that and, and actually does allow your tire to work more like a shock. So there is some performance gain there. Again, I'm, I'm not great at talking about that stuff or understanding it, honestly, but there, there does seem to be some benefit there. And then the other thing is, oh, it stiffens up your sidewalls. So what people are finding with, especially like plus tires is that 
because the tires are taller than traditional tires, you got a lot more like sidewall between, you know, the rim and the tread. So when you're running lower pressures, the tires might tend to flop around a little bit more because the, the sidewalls are just taller. And so, yeah, they stiffen up your sidewalls a little bit more, like give it a little more definition down toward the rim um, and let you run these lower pressures without the sidewall flop. And again, without worrying about like dinging your rims or getting more pinch flats or anything like that. Yeah, I think if I were running some really nice carbon rims and wanted to worry about them less and run some lower pressures, I would probably opt for an insert. I was looking back and at Interbike like 2014 or 2015, I saw these tire inserts. They were for kids' bikes. And basically they were, you know, for dads who like hate having to put air in their kids' tires for them, you know, like it's basically just it converted your tire from a pneumatic tire to like a solid core tire. And I was like super excited because I hate, hate dealing with tire stuff. I hate punctures. I hate maintaining pressures and worrying about all that. And so, yeah, back then that was like three years ago, four years ago, I wrote saying like, you know what, I'm just going to put a pool noodle in my tire and (laughs) see how that works. And basically that's what, some of these products are, uh, the, the Victoria one that I'm testing the airliner, it's got a round shape, like a pool noodle. It's got like some channels cut into it to like, let your sealant slosh around a little bit more and to, you know, deal with like your valve in the tire. But, um, but yeah, basically it's, it's kind of like a, a pool noodle, but what I, I had heard that these things were difficult to install. And again, I'm not like a, a, great home mechanic. And so I was worried about that a little bit. And so I kind of avoided it, but, but with the airliners, I had no problem at all installing them. In fact, the rear tire, I didn't even use a tool. Like it was, I was able to do it all by hand. It took just as long as it takes me to do a regular tire. And not only that, it, these are tubeless tires and I had mounted them up with a floor pump because the, the liner does a good job of like giving the tire some shape and like you know, really pressing those beads in, uh, when you initially seed it. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, so far I'm, I'm really digging the inserts and I think I'll, I'll continue running them even after the testing is done. I've got another set of inserts that I'm going to test after this one from a company called Panzer and they're out of Europe, I believe. And their insert is, it's not a round shape. It's actually like a triangle almost, or maybe, maybe more like a trapezoid, but the, the pointy part goes into your rim channel and then it, you know, flares outward as it goes up and has like a completely flat profile at the top. So, so yeah, it's interesting to see these different shapes and see how they perform, what the difference is on the trail. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely got to try some out. Um, I really haven't, uh, I don't think I've had any rim strikes or anything like that in a while, but I mean, who doesn't like running less pressure in their tires? Yeah. I'm, I'm also like secretly looking forward to getting a flat and just seeing like, how far can I go before I have to change it? You know, like I'm going to ride it for a while with it flat and just see, cause I mean, there are so many times when I've been really tempted, like 
you're close to the car or whatever. And you're just like, man, I should just ride this thing out. Or, or you like don't have a tube yeah, and you got no other option. You know, you're, you're walking out and yeah, man, it would be so nice if you had this on your tire and you could just, you just roll back. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground here with tires, lots of innovative things happening in the tire space. And I think we're going to continue to see this as the year goes on. If you're enjoying the Single Tracks podcast, we'd love for you to rate us in your podcast app or to tell a friend about it. That's all I've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace.